back to episode eight of the Thermometer. This is Will Fritz. I'm with Nolan Thompson. Nolan Thompson has officially moved into his dorm room at college. Shout out, Nolan. How we doing, Nolan? First thing I want to say is roll tide. And also, I'm really liking what we're going to talk about today. I think the first thing we got to talk about is Julio Rodriguez and his insane stretch. 17 hits in four games is a major league baseball record and went 17 17 for 22 for the people that would like a, like a full sample size 17 for 22 is yeah. the official and count yeah and the mariners have been playing really well and he'd obviously been struggling the past yep pretty much the entire season but if you looked at some of the batted ball data he was pretty similar to last year but he's still he's still due to get even better like his yeah Woba is still below his ex Woba, so still things are looking up for him. Those four or those four games, he also had two home runs and five stolen bases, just as the cherry on top. Um, he's now eighth in the MLB and F four. He helped the Mariners along. Now their seven game win streak after absolutely killing the White Sox last night. He didn't even play last night either. Um, they now sit in the third wild card spot. Things are looking up. I mean, we kind of talked earlier in the season how we thought that eventually. We could see them in the wild card race, and they're kind of in the thick of it right now. Um, whether it's them or the Blue Jays, that'll be interesting. But they're look—it's looking really good for um, the Mariners right now. I think the Mariners they, are the better team just because of their starting pitching strength, and I think yeah. the playoffs suit them more too, just because like Castillo, Kirby, and Gilbert is an amazing three pitchers to go to in the playoffs. For sure. And also, like, you really couldn't have found a better time to have a three-game series against the White Sox. Like, you're on an absolute tear right now, and then you played three games against the White Sox, who are obviously struggling, and Dylan Cease isn't going to be pitching in any of those games. So it's like, okay, so they have Mike Clevenger tonight. If you win this game, then, like, you're probably going to be looking at a sweep. So they're playing really good baseball. Julio Rodriguez and the Mariners, they're – the hottest player and the hottest team in baseball, in our opinion. Actually, that's probably not true. Mariners are the second hottest team. We're about to talk about the first hottest team. Nolan, please talk to us about the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're 9-1 in their last 10 games, and they've just been incredible. Their hitting has been incredible. Mookie Betts is on an absolute tear. I mean, he... I don't think a lot of people realize this, but he's actually first in the National League in F4 ahead of Ronald Acuna Jr. And it's like it's he's not having any bad at all. Like his Woba is exactly equal to his ex Woba. And he has a 165 WRC plus, which is the same as Freddie Freeman. And he's also playing second base right field instead of first and he has base. A podcast. So and he, he has a baseball podcast. He does. So it's like if, we, if we're ever complaining to each other about not wanting to record, we have to remember that Mookie Betts is an MVP contender and he still finds time to do a podcast every yeah. day. So, um, but yeah, him and Freddie Freeman, him, Freddie, and Ronald Acuna Jr. look like the frontrunners. I think it'll still end up going to Ronald Acuna Jr. with his stolen bases. but um, Too bad he has no arms or legs when he's in right field. Exactly. Well, I feel like he just decides not to play. Because we know his athleticism's high, and we know he's been good at defense in the past, but for some reason this year he's just... That's like the weird... He he is like, if you look on Savant, he is first percentile outs above average. I don't even know how that's possible. Like, he's so athletic and quick. And and he's a cannon. And he played center field before too, right? Yeah. Well, I think 
OA doesn't count arm strength. But oh yeah, it probably does. Does F four count that though? Arm strength. It must. It must. It must have something to do with. I don't know. Well, we're a ba- we're a baseball statistics podcast, and we don't know, so we're kind of lame for that. But we'll tell you guys next episode whether it does or not. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about some cold teams now. Uh, the Yankees have been terrible. The Mets have been. I mean, they're kind of trying to get their way back into the wild card race, but it's still not looking good. But the Yankees have been terrible. They just. I don't have any good players. They've lost eight in a row, which I think is their longest streak since 1995. Or, like, worst losing streak wow. since 1995. They're 1-9 and nine in their last 10. Their hitting is atrocious, 21st in WRC+, and they're 16th in Team XFIP. Their bullpen's been good. Their starting rotation is not. I think the only two pitchers you can say have been consistently sought. Well, Garrett Cole's been consistently good all year. And then Clark Schmidt has been their only other solid pitcher, whether that be from yeah. injuries or poor performance. They, they have. And you were you were expecting, uh, or what were you gonna say? Go ahead. I just was gonna say they have too much money tied up in yeah. players who aren't very good, like Stanton and Lemayhew. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah, and Car- we expected Carlos Rodon and Garrett Cole to be kind of that probably the best two-headed monster in baseball and Carlos Rodon came back and now isn't he down again he's uh he's gonna start today he was just had an IL stint but he's starting today on August 20th so hopefully he can start picking things up but it honestly doesn't even matter at this point like they're out of the playoff race yeah I would just shut him down for the year because he obviously has some like injury where they like don't really know the timetable for it or anything or it's just like a muscle strain so like there, there's no way of knowing like a fixed time of when that's going to fix itself. So yeah. I don't know. It kind of feels like the Steven Strasburg situation a little bit where like yeah. a pitcher with a ton of injuries, like they're not really announcing an injury or there's not a clear injury, but they're still obviously injured. So like, I don't know if Carlos Jordan is ever going to be the same. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, and then another a cold hitter before we kind of get into this AL East three-year outlook. We haven't even talked about that yet. We're going to do an AL East three-year outlook this episode. Um, Masataki Yoshida has a 56 WRC plus in his last 30 days, which is bottom 15 among all qualified hitters in that time span. Tristan Casas has passed him in WRC plus, and he's like right next to him in F4 as well. I mean, both of these guys are kind of – we'll get into the Red Sox later, but – they're examples of guys who are awful defenders at their respective positions, but they hit really. They, I mean, they hit well. Like they hit definitely above average. Like even if they both settle to a 115, 110 WRC plus, that's that's going to be solid for a team like the Red Sox right now. Um, their combined F4, just for people who are discussing the AL Rookie of the Year, Yoshida and Casas combined F4 is 2.1. And Gunnar Henderson's F4 is 3.1. So, like, it's Gunners to win. Shout out Tanner, Tanner Bybee. Um, he's obviously been really helpful, and he's kind of saved the rotation of the Guardians this year from not being, like, bottom of the league. But he hasn't been, like, a 3 ERA compared to what Gunner's doing. is It's 
it's it's not the same and it pitchers rarely win it so with that being said with with gunner henderson's al or al rookie of the year case kind of being wrapped up let's just go ahead or let's not start with the orioles let's start at the bottom let's not because the orioles we think probably has to have the best outlook of any team but we'll talk about them in the end let's start with the let's start with the new york yankees i agree so i think the main problem with the yankees is they have a lot of long-term contracts they're probably not okay with like they're probably okay with the judge and cole contract but then like rodon stan rizzo and lemayhew are all not looking very good and then you go down and you're like oh what guys they have long team control of they don't really have that many guys like they have volpe and torres and cortez you know locked up for a while but and maybe oswald peraza but we don't really know how good he is they don't really have anyone else yep like they haven't been able to develop players over the past like three to four years or they're just trading them away so yeah i don't think you mentioned this but their farm is ranked 21st on mlb and 19th on bleach report so i mean even if it's a little bit higher a little bit lower it's mid to bottom of the league it's not it's not a great system i mean we know the yankees can spend their way out of this you never know about the yankees because they can just they can just buy their way to being in contention every single but they still have one of the highest payrolls and they don't have very many good players like their hitting has been awful this year yeah they just it's just truly it's just truly amazing how like the Orioles and the Rays are going to be our two top teams in this outlook. And they're like both bottom five in like how much money they have to give out. And the Yankees and the Red Sox are two of the biggest market teams. And they are bottom two. Yeah. So uh, one thing is weird. Everson Pereira is being called up today and Oswald Peraza. So. Those guys could definitely be solid contributors, but nothing's a guarantee. And then also today, Jason Dominguez was moved to AAA after having a strong season in AA. And I think there's a little bit of prospect fatigue going on with Jason Dominguez where people say, oh, he's not very good because he was expected to be, you know, he was given the nickname the Martian or whatever. Yep. And he's still been very good center fielder, crazy power, good speed, like, He's probably a top 25 prospect. It's just the issue is, is people expected him to be the number one so now guy. He's dropped. Yeah, yeah he's and dropped. people feel like he's been around forever and he's not filled his potential. Yeah. But he's still young. He's, I think he's 22 or like I think 21. Of, I think like that, he's not old. Yeah, 21. Yeah, 21 and triple. Like No, he's 20. He's, he's, he's 20. He's got a he's, long career ahead of him. 20. He's 20. He's 20. And people yeah. are out on him. Like, I don't know. It just feels like he's definitely going to be a good player, even if he's an average hitter. There, his I fielding and speed be, might a little bit. There might be a little bit of prospect fatigue going on with Peraza as well, because you kind of always saw him and Volpe as like one in one. Like they're going to be similar. This might be the middle infield of the future, and then Volpe's got that call up. They've let him struggle, of course, the big, the big leagues. Um, and Peraza's kind of come up and down a little bit, but he's not, not really had that breakthrough moment yet. So hopefully this is it. Because if they had another piece in that infield that could provide some 
some good at bats that'd be really helpful for them i mean i th- i think volpe is like a slightly above average shortstop this year like he's a below average hitter but he's still been a good fielder and he's stolen a ton of bases too 20 stolen yeah, but bases he struggled like they let yes. they let him struggle yeah. at the beginning of the year and he's worked through which is props to him but um, yeah i think it's like it's time for it's th- it's gonna start to become like a make or break for Peraza. I think they should do the same thing with Peraza the rest of the year, as they're not. Yeah, let them struggle because they don't. But it's also like have any playoff yeah. hopes. Yeah, and another thing, um, another thing I th- would think to mention is that Garrett Cole, while he has a very strong ERA and is a Cy Young contender, he's had his worst peripherals this year since 2016. In terms of like yeah. FIP, XFIP, strikeout numbers, his strikeouts are way, 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 way down. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely something to be take notice of, but it's kind of being masked by the fact he's having such a good run prevention season that his strikeouts are way down. Yeah. This is just going to be an extremely competitive division for the next coming year. So I think that the Yankees, I think that they're going to be unless they buy a lot, I don't think that there's they're not going to be in contention for this division for a couple of years, in my opinion. Um, with that said, let's talk about the Boston Red Sox. I'm a lot higher on the Boston Red Sox than I am on the New York Yankees. Um, key players for kind of the next coming years, you have Trevor Story, you have Rafael Devers, you have Masataki Yoshida. They're all locked up through 2027. You have Verdugo and Pavetta also entering their third year of arbitration next year. We haven't talked about this before. I wanted to bring this up for the listeners that when we say pre-arb or arbitration, arbitration is, I mean, it's obviously very complicated, but how it works is like a players that are between three and six years in the big leagues without like a multi-year pre-arb contracts that we've seen with like Julio Rodriguez and Wander Franco. So they guys that don't have that, they go through this process and so in years three through six of being in the big leagues, if there's not like a full agreement between the team and the player and they still want to work together, the, t- the player still wants the team, play for the team, and the team still wants the player. No, it's only the team. Are, it's only the team. It's just the, if the team still wants the player. Then, so if the team still wants the player. Yeah. Okay. Then they go through the and panel then, of arbiters. Yeah, so then the – yes, they – basically can settle like how much a player wants to be paid the player the, but the player makes their case too yeah so how it works is not the player themselves obviously their yeah the, agent. their agent presents a salary the team presents a salary and then the arbiters choose which one is more fair so they don't like go in the middle yeah. they just choose yeah. one of the options which one is more fair and that's how much they get yeah. paid for that year and then yeah. for which and when, totally when you're really different from any other sport which i think is pretty yeah cool. and then in pre-arbitration, which is your first three years, yeah, they you make the big league minimum, which I think is like nine hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that. Yeah, but then you see some guys get massive extensions, or you see guys like Michael Harris who kind of get like, like not as long, like not. I think it was like, it, let's look it up. I think it was well, he gets paid like a little bit more than the big league minimum in his first couple years, but then. And just, later in the it, contract, it's, never, it's it never not what is market value. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, he'll definitely so be underpaid when he's... And he's kind of getting paid, like, five mil a year. And then in 2025 through 2027, it's, like, eight, nine million. And then 
10 to 12 million until like 2030 and then there's like a club option there's club yeah. options on 20 on his age 30 season and his age 31 season for 15 mil and 20 mil so it's like it's low risk for each side yeah because he's getting overpaid right now but then it's definitely below market value in his future yeah probably underpaid yeah yeah um and then so that's kind of how arbitration guys other pre-arb guys are brian bayo and tristan casas um they're probably gonna end up helping long term for them too they also have jaron duran he's like hitting well this year he's definitely due for aggression but He's never really going to be like the five tool player because he doesn't have enough power, but his speed is going to help him stay up. I think for a while and he's going to provide. Yeah. I mean, I think worst case scenario for him, he's like just a fourth outfielder. Probably. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Their key prospects. They have Marcelo Meyer, who's one of the best shortstop prospects in baseball. He's in double A right now. He's not like heavy on like either the hit or the field. But overall, he's a well-rounded shortstop. He's kind of the poster boy of this organization right now, for sure. Um, they also have Roman Anthony, who's kind of been flying up boards recently. 19-year-old outfield prospect who hits absolute nukes, but also plays solid defense on center. He's really young. He's 19. So, obviously, he struggles against breaking balls, but he hits velo really well, which is a good, which is a good sign at 19. Um, but as like a six foot two, 200-pound center fielder, was OPSing over a thousand right now in high A. You can kind of expect him to be a piece for them too. Not like super soon, but you're looking at like 2025, 2026, 2027, um, depending on how quickly he moves up through the organization. And then also you have first a recent first round pick, Kyle Teal, who could be a kind of their catcher of the future, hopefully, out of Auburn. Um, and we could also see Kadan Rafael, the outfielder, triple make an impact on defense. Okay, I want to talk about him. So in 188 plate appearances in AAA this year, he's 141 WRC+. plus. Kadan Rafaela? Yeah, and yeah. Fan, Fangraphs has that his field tool could be 80. Yeah. So he's like a really interesting player because... Bef- I don't think people had his hit tool or his power tool super high. Is that correct? Yeah, they had him 40 hit potential, 50 game yeah. power, 60 speed, yeah. 80 field. Yeah. But the thing is, is... I think he's definitely going to be a very valuable player. And even if he can be league average, he'll still be like a three, mm-hmm. four war player. And you, you can take like, you can take Kadan Rafaela, Roman Anthony, mix that with a, somewhere a mix of Yoshida, um, Duran, and also maybe Verdugo. If you want to extend him, like, I think that you're going to have a good outfield with all those guys as potential outfielders for them. I mean, I think they should um, call call him up right now, but but who do you then do you not play, Jaron Duran? You or play you at least like give him no, a you, I don't know into the big leagues because they're yeah. still trying to they're still trying to manage their way into a wild card, which is I guess. difficult at this point. But, but I think he could help you. Right now, the Red Sox are four games out of the Red or the the Red yeah the Red Sox are four games out of the Mariners. Yeah. Well, um, I guess they can't really move Yoshida to the DH role because they have Justin Turner. So yeah. their outfield's already kind of locked right now. I could honestly see them just letting Verdugo walk because they have him to fill the spot and they don't really need him anymore. 
I yeah. I mean, I don't think he's that good. But also, like, I think Boston fans love Alex Verdugo, too. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, I think that they have a really good outlook. I think that this is a big step up from the Yankees. They do need pitching. Their top eight prospects are all hitters in the big leagues, right? Now. Or they're all – their top eight prospects are all hitters at various levels. But, so, you have, like, Brian Bale. You hope he turns out as your one. And but then, then you have like Nick Pavetta, but he's not been he's been better in a bullpen role. And then I what I would say is their rotation is very old because like Chris Sale and James Paxton have both been key pieces Neither in their. Of them, I don't think are long term. I mean, yeah, but they've both been good. Like they've made up like the bulk of the value in their starting rotation this year, and they're not really long term solutions there and like guys like cutter crawford i don't think are either or Corey kluber yeah i mean yeah so they need they need to make they need to make moves for pitching for sure that's they have a really i think that they look really good for the future but um there's a reason we have them at four because we have the toronto blue jays at three for us would you like to talk about or no I, i'll do i'll do the toronto blue jays um their farm is 25th on MLB and 25th on Bleacher Report, kind of near the bottom of the league. But they obviously do have their young pieces. They have Bo Bichette. He's a free agent in 2026. He's probably an extension candidate. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has two years left of arbitration. And they also have Jose Barrios. Sneaky, sneaky good pitcher this year. Sneaky turned it around for sure. I think that he's going to be a solid pitcher for the next coming years. I think it. You look. You look at last year. You're like, holy Moses, this is a terrible contract. But now, I think things are looking up for Jose Barrios, and he makes a lot of starts. He's been really consistent. Besides, like he got blown up last year, but like in terms of making thirty to thirty-two starts, um, every year for the past couple of years, he's been really consistent. Hasn't really been injured at all. They have a couple of key guys on the wrong side of 30 as well. George Springer's locked up through 2026, along with Kevin Gosman. Bassett's locked up through 2025. And then Matt, Cha- Matt Chapman and Kevin Kiermaier are free agents after this year. I think Dalton Varsho's interesting. Yeah, he looks like Kyler Murray running around the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's a big pe- like. I think he, what they should... I don't know. I, I just talented, but... I think what they should do is try like using him as like a backup catcher, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I think they could maybe take some advantage of his value by using him to like only carry one catcher and then trading like Danny Jansen or or Kirk or something. I don't know. It's just so weird because Kirk and Jansen have both been like at some points they've been really good, at some points they've been not very good. So it's hard like to know. Kirk like last year was really good. Like what? And like, even Danny Jansen last year was good too. Like what? I, I don't really know what type of players they are. It's kind of hard so, to know. So Alejandro Kirk enters his first year arbitration next year. And uh, Danny Jansen enters his third year of arbitration next year. So I think that they'll end up, they might end up letting one. I don't know. I feel like they like what they have though. And they don't want... They don't want. I don't think Dalton Varsho has played a lot of catcher. I mean, like recently. Yeah, I think the main thing to think about here is that, like, Bo Bichette 
and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. are gonna be free agents in you know a couple of years. In a couple of years, and they need to figure out what they're gonna do, how they're gonna build the team around them, because they've been having two of the best players in the league in Vlad Guerrero and Bobachet on very, you know, small contracts, obviously, or not paying them very much. And they've been able to use that money for guys like Springer and Gosman and Bassett and Ryu in the past. But yep. And the Jose Barrios extension. So it's, I mean, I think they have a good future, but it all depends in the next three years. But after that, they need to figure out, like, what are we doing with Bichette and Guerrero? I agree. Um, and they've been able to kind of build around them with signing guys like like Chapman, or, or like Chapman, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermeyer. Like, they're still trying to give, like, the, sh- the short-term money to these guys, which... I think can round out their organization for the next couple of years. And you hope to kind of catch lightning in a bottle. Um, their key prospects far and away. And their number one for them is Ricky Tiedemann. He's one of the best lefties in baseball. Uh, he's doing rehab starts. He's coming off of Tommy John. He's hopefully going to help them in the next coming years. Other guys, you have a Relvis Martinez and Addison Barger. We're both infielders in triple who we could see soon. And then Arjun Namala and Brandon Barrera are further away, but they could also support as well long-term. But like I said, their farm is really limited. It's 25th in the MLB pipeline rankings. So it doesn't look great in terms of guys coming up soon. I think that, like I said, you you, you kind of still look to give short-term money to guys like Brandon Pelt and Kevin Kiermeyer, And then like, kind of let their farm reset it's not a terrible thought i honestly might I think the red sox yeah what merrifield the red sox i mean i think i would keep the blue jays just because of vladdy and boba shet exactly like yeah. the red sox don't really have anyone like i mean they have devers who i think consider in that area but blue jays have and, two of them and all another i'd rather take kind of what the blue jays have in pitching right now compared to what the red sox yeah have definitely pitching. i mean Wood Merrifield, too, is a free agent after this. Well, it's a mutual option, but it's for yeah. $18 million, so I doubt it gets picked up. Yeah. And, and he's jo- 34. Yeah, and Jordan Hicks is a free agent, too. So it just, I think they're going to have to make a lot of like Brandon Bell, Kevin Kiermeyer signings again for the next around, couple of years. Like, yeah, around the margins. Like, like with getting platoon bats to support their already good players and they're losing Matt Chapman too which yeah for sure it's just which is gonna hurt I I, I think George Springer like, what's your what's your what's your what do you who do you put a third like what's your answer for second base what do you play Santiago Espinal now every day I don't or know. Kevin Biggio or Kevin Biggio like it's just like a... just got Paul DeYoung and he got DFA'd after what like 17 games for them yeah I mean, I think guys that you hoped would turn out like Genesis or not him, Dalton, Varsho, Santiago Espinal, yeah, and Kevin Biggio, who you expected to be big players for you, have kind of underperformed and not really stepped up. So, yeah. but their young core is like in terms of having Vladdy and Bobachet right now, it's strong. Like, yeah, these are guys that are age. How old is Vladdy now? Twenty four. Yeah, and Bobachet's twenty five. Yeah, so they're both they're both young. You want to lock them up for a long time. I mean, but the other thing to think about is, what do you think about Vladimir Guerrero? Because he has 
half it's an F word so this year. We just keep projecting. We just keep projecting like, oh, he's going to rake. His ex bit is about 60 points higher than his Woba. But, but he's still not. He's so he's bad on. Not. He's so bad on defense yeah. that it makes it. What's his WAR? Probably below one. No, yeah, it's 0. 0.5 in yeah, 527 plate appearances. Yeah. So. That's insane. I'm even so last. Pro- it's at first base, so it's not like the same level. But he's been terrible, just terrible. All right, let's it's move weird. on though. Yeah. It looks it looks pretty good for the Blue Jays. Um. Let's go to the Rays. You want to do the Rays? Yep. So they have a lot of guys locked up who are pretty good. They have Wander Franca locked up for a while, but we obviously don't know. I think that that's if, probably going to get voided, and then they're just going to have to find ways around it. Like I mean, in terms of long term, if they make a decision long term with Wander Franco, if you if no one knows what is going on with Wander Franco, we're not going to talk about like just literally look it up and you'll figure it out. But anyways, um, he, he's he obviously signed a massive deal, and he's one of the four. Sh- he, what did you, you say? He's one of the best shortstops in baseball. Yeah. So that would be a big loss for them. He might not ever play again. So and, we'll see. But we can't really talk like about like where the future with him is because we have no clue. It's yeah. all behind the curtains. So other guys they have locked up is Glass now for two more years. He is making a lot of money next year, so I would think he would be a candidate, a trade candidate for the Rays, especially because of their starting pitching depth. They have right now like big league ready arms. They have gla- starting pitchers. They have Glasnow, Eflin, Springs, Savali, Rasmussen, McClanahan, Boz, and Bradley. So I could maybe see but Tyler Glasnow getting kind of freaked out right now. With yeah, because all, all their pitchers get right injured. Now, they're so freaked out. I still think they move some of them, but they also have Margot Diaz low locked up for a while and Pete Fairbanks too as well. And they have so many guys in pre-arbitration right now who are so Savali, Ramirez, Rosarena, Adam, Rasmussen, McClanahan, Paredes, Siri, Boz, Lowe, Rayleigh, Bradley. Like they have so many guys who are good players locked up on no money for the next four years yeah which is- and then they also have an insane farm seventh on mlb eighth on bleacher report and there are a lot of guys who are in the high minors like Caminero, carson williams curtis mead who's up right now basabi he's up right now he's playing shortstop okay. for them yeah. basabe and then also colson montgomery so yeah. i mean i think definitely the rays need to make some trades just because they have too many people 40-man roster crunch and the other question is do they want to pay anyone like Rosarena and McClanahan are definitely two of their best players and they still have them locked up for like three four more years but it depends are they going to pay them and then also Tyler Glasnow is a free agent in two years so it's just yeah they have so many controllable pieces and a lot of high value pieces it just depends like what do they want to do who do they want to pay who do they want to trade? Who do they want to keep? Because, I mean, ba- um, how do you say his name? Basabi? Basabi? Basabe. Basabe? Yeah. Like, he's a shortstop. I believe William Carson. He's a shortstop, too. But then, is Wander Franco coming back? It's hard to know. Like, obviously, Junior Caminaro is, like, one of the best prospects. But they already have guys to play third base and second base so 
they need to figure out who they're going to keep and they need to trade some people because they have too many people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel like you did a pretty good job with the raise there. Well, what do you think? Do you think they will pay a Rosa Reina or McClanahan? Because I think Platt, they won't play. They want to keep Randy there. But it's so hard because they just don't have a lot of money. Like they've, and, they always work with and, little to no money, and they kind of they never really sign these big guys. And I think that Randy's going to ask for a lot of money. If I'm going to be honest, well, I mean, if the Wander Franco contract gets voided, they could probably afford to pay him because that's like the only contract they have where they're How paying. How old is Randy Rosarino? Probably twenty six. Twenty. He's twenty eight and a half. So he's not going to be a free agent until he's like 31 or 32, just because he started so late. Well, then, yeah, you don't have to make a decision, I guess, right now. Yeah. I think they, they want to keep him, though. I think they'll keep him. Um, let's what? keep moving. Wait. What? What do you think about Shane McClanahan? Do you think, like, in three years they'll pay him? Or... Yeah, because he'll come back, he'll be... Well, it's so weird because he's going to be out for this year. He's going to be out for next year. So then it's like, well, that he has maybe... one year to kind of prove it. And then it's, he probably will though. Like we've seen Shane McClanahan before. We know he's one of the best lefties in baseball. Yeah. And it, if they're not paying Wander Franco, it clears up. I think that if they, and, but also you have other pitchers coming up. Like, like you have, you have Taj Bradley coming up. Like you have. You ha- you have um, what was I gonna say? Shane Boz too. Shane, you have Shane Boz. You have and, Taj Bradley. and Drew Rasmus. Drew Rasmus. He has an insane amount of control too. I think he like his service time right now is two. Yeah, so he still has like another three years. Yeah. I mean, I think the Rays are. I think that they end up keeping a Rosarena and McClanahan. They, I think that they make deals. I don't think that they're necessarily gonna be. I don't think that they're going to be huge deals. I don't know though. I mean, I think it might be a bigger. Actually, I'm I I could see like eight years for Randy, if he still if he keeps playing the way he's been. Playing it would have to be like football. right now though. It would have to be right yeah, now. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. We so we have the Rays at two. So just a little bit of a recap. We had the Yankees last. We had the Red Sox at four. We had the Blue Jays at three. We had the Rays at two. Number one, we mentioned them earlier. We're going to talk about the Baltimore Orioles. I know we hate the Baltimore Orioles right now, but their future looks really good. It truly does. Why do we um, hate them right now? Oh, because they're oh. We just think that they're winning too much. They're a fraud team. They are. Anyways, but they still have a good future. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Their farm system. Uh, first on MLB and first on Bleacher Report. So, why is that? Well, we'll get to that. But their key, their key players right now, Gunnar Henderson, 3.1 F4 at age 22. Adley Rutschman, 3.1 F4 at age 25. Grayson Rodriguez, kind of former top three to five prospect who's looked good ever since coming back up. He's only 23 still. Other pre-arb guys, they have Felix Bautista, they have Jordan Westberg, they have Yanir Cano, and they have Kyle Bradish. I think Kyle Bradish is going to need to turn out to be like a good arm for them because they don't have a lot right now in terms of pitching. Um, Their prospects, massive influx of middle infielders. 
They, so they have Jackson Holiday, obviously best prospect in baseball. He's been flying through the minors in his first two years with the organization. If you don't know his name, his name is Jackson Holiday, and you need to know it now. He's going to be their um, starting. He's going to be their starting shortstop next year. Age yeah. nineteen in Double A. Which is weight, which is it's not very common to see nineteen year olds in double A first. A hundred and sixty four WRC plus. Stupid. Like he's far and away the number one prospect in baseball. I mean, he's gonna be their starting shortstop next year. It might not be at the beginning right at the beginning of the season because of like service time manipulation. But and and he looks like he looks like a little kid just running around playing baseball. If you want, like his, yeah, because he he makes contact and then he starts running and his his helmet kind of sits like on the top of his hairline. It's funny. Look, just watch some Jackson Holiday highlights. You'll understand what I mean. Um, they also have Cole Hauser. He had a stint in the bigs list la- or this year, which didn't go super well. But he's only twenty three. As once again, like a top fifteen twenty prospect in the big leagues, he'll be a piece in the outfield for sure in the future. Um, they have Heston Kierstad, which is also a top 30 prospect. It's really rare to see this many guys in like your top 30. Um, he's top 30 on MLB, 24-year-old 20, outfielder in AAA who should get a chance at the big league soon as well. Um, they also have Kobe Mayo, Samuel Basayo, and Joey, o- Joey Ortiz, which are definitely pieces for the future to look out for. I think they're all fringe top 50, if not higher. And Connor Norby, too. Yep. Um, but and Connor Norby, yes. and I think the one issue you could say here is their best pitching prospect is like is Cade Povich, yeah. who like at double this year, like four point eight seven ERA, three point one zero xFIP. Like he's fine. This he struggled at AAA so far. I mean, he's probably like a back end guy. I mean, and they could use solid back end guys, but. I think their main problem is pitching. They don't really have a pitching pipeline, but they have a ton of hitters and obviously not enough room for the, you know, five different hitting prospects in the upper minors. Yeah. So I think people like Kobe Mayo, maybe Joey Ortiz get moved for some pitching, or they could even think about moving somebody like Cedric Mullins for pitching because they have so many guys coming up. Kind of just depends what direction they want to go. Mm-hmm. I think that oh, it's the it's going to be the same story for the next three four years as it was during the deadline, and you have to move this influx of middle infielders and just your influx of prospects for pitching. I think the story kind of remains the same until Mike Elias and management make a move. So it's like they have a really good future, but they can have a great future. Like they can be world series contenders for the next couple of years. If they get a top level pitcher and they can do it. That's the thing. They can literally do it. They have so many prospects. They want Jack Flaherty. Yeah. Like it's, did you see what frustrating? Did you see what their owner said today? No, he goes. So he already did that thing where he like, put the broadcaster on leave because he said like they lost 12 yeah so also do some research on that if you haven't heard of it look up like baltimore orioles broadcaster basically he was talking about like how the orioles were i think about to win the like a, a season series versus tampa for the first time in like five years or so or something like that and he got like 
put on leave. And then there was just this massive uproar. Because if you watch the clip, you could watch it, you could watch it 10, 15 times, and you're like, wait. You like don't have you don't have a clue what they did wrong. So it's a really weird it's a weird way to like run your organization, I feel like, to say Yeah, I don't know. Don't talk about our I, I, like failures in the past. Like I I think what? their owner sucks too though, because this is what he said. He said this is the quote from their the Orioles owner. Let's say we sat down and showed you the financials for the Orioles. You will see quickly that when people talk about giving this player two hundred million, that player one hundred fifty million, we would be so financially underwater that you'd have to raise the prices massively. So he's saying like he wouldn't. I mean, I don't really believe that though, because the Orioles are a popular team. They have incredible attendance this year. Like, don't you think they can afford to pay some people or move some of their prospects for pitchers that they maybe have to pay a little bit more or, but are under team just, control? You just find guys that are that still haven't been paid yet. Yeah, I just... Like, you can try to find young guys. You have so, like, like a Dylan Cease. It just, like, it just feels like an excuse to raise ticket prices. Yeah. Um, team payrolls. I'm looking at it right now. I'm about to pull it up. Give me... Two seconds. I'm on hotel Wi-Fi, by the way, because we're all moving into college right now. Anyways, uh, Baltimore Orioles are 28th in how much money they have in terms of total payroll. Yeah, so I think they can definitely spend a little bit more, considering they are who have they paid? A well-attended team, almost no one. I don't think. Th- I mean, here, let me look at who they're, like, long, like, not arbitration or pre-arb, like, who they've actually signed to contracts. Kyle Gibson. Is there Kyle Gibson, Adam Frazier, Anthony Santander are the only ones that are above $6 million, $7 million. And, oh, James McCann, too? They're paying him $12 million a year. Jeez. But everyone, no, dude, after, after this year, the only guy they'll all guaranteed money to is James McCann. That's the only yeah. person after this year. $12 million. They have a 60... What? They have a $63 million payroll. That's so crazy to think about. Compared to the Yankees who have what now? Probably 350 plus. Oh, oh, oh. They Okay, so they got James McCann, but the Mets are actually paying $8 million of a salary. So next year, they'll only have $4 million in guaranteed salaries. <laughs> So they could spend money. Otani. Yeah. Dude, they, they should just spend it all on Shohei Otani. I'm looking... Yeah, <laughs> literally all of their money. Yeah. Because Imagine, like, the young core okay. they have with Shohei okay, Otani. Genuinely, genuinely, you have to pay... Okay, so Shohei's been looking literally at, like, 50, 60 mil a year. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, how in the hell do you do that? You don't. You can't. It's a, You can't. You can't build a roster with $70 million if you're paying Shohei Otani 55. <laughs> well, I think they could afford a $100 million, like a $100 million payroll. Yeah, they probably I don't think it's unreasonable to go up to that. They could sign Adam Wainwright in the offseason. Yeah. He can finally get to 200 wins with the Orioles because they'll have good run support there. I think that's the only reason Adam Wainwright is actually still pitching because he's at... 198 career wins even though he has a 7.7 xera this year 
Yeah. Which is crazy. 7.7. Yeah. 8.42 ERA. He's been getting unlucky, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who could they look to sign? Or who could they look to trade for? I'm looking... Like I said, Dylan Cease. Even like, okay. Even okay, if they got like, how much is Blake Snell getting paid right now? Is he getting a bag? I think he's probably getting paid like twenty-five mil a year. That might be worth it though. I think they should. I think it'd be worth it. I I think the issue is is Blake Snell. Like all his peripherals point to him being a high. He's getting paid. Oh, he's a free agent after. He's a free yeah. agent after. Yeah, he is. But the the issue with Blake Snell is all his peripheral stats point him to being like a high, a high twos guys, or a high threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, into the high threes. Like, what's funny is his ER is almost a whole, a whole point lower this year than it was last year. But his strikeouts are down by like a half per nine. His walks are up by. One and a half per nine, and his home runs are up too. But he's yet he's has yeah. a better ERA. So, um, let's go through the series that are kind of going on right now before we end this thing. My favorite one um, this week to watch is the Royals versus the Athletics. It's Angel Zerpa yeah, versus Undecided tonight, eight forty p.m. at the Coliseum. It's going to be a beautiful day out, sixty nine degrees. It's <laughs> a good night for baseball. Yeah, uh, beautiful day in the Bay. Series. Twins Shot. are playing the Brewers. Two teams that are fighting in a division race, right? Not fighting each other, but they're both fighting for the Central in their respective leagues. Um, Blue Jays, Orioles, Giants, Blue Jays, Orioles, Giants, Phillies. That's a good one too. Dodgers, Guardians. Um, da- <laughs> Like if the guard, Noah, like, Noah Syndergaard and his get back against the Dodgers tonight in Cleveland. Three innings um, pitched, four in runs, one strikeout, one walk. Yeah, that's what he's doing. The Mets have been the Mets have been kind of cooking. They're playing the Braves. Red Sox um, Astros. Red Sox Astros is good. There's a lot of good games to watch. Marlins Padres like, and Rangers Diamondbacks too. Yep, yep. It's definitely gonna be a I fun night. That- Tune in, Jesus Lazardo, Blake Snell, 9.40 p.m. Eastern time. That's two of the, probably, if they both turn out, like, good starts tonight, that could be one of the, like, most interesting matchup between, matchups between lefties this year. Yeah, and John Gray versus Zach Allen's pretty interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got just is this, and Justin Verlander back at Minute Maid oh, against yeah. Tanner Houck? And Adam Wainwright's going again tonight, so. You want to see an like, absolute nuke fest. He's looking for win. You can see, G- okay, home run home run pick versus Adam Wainwright. Um, can I say O'Neal Cruz? He's hurt, but he could still do it. Um, okay. If anyone could hit a home run off of Adam, Adam Wainwright when they're... <laughs> Playing on a leg, it would be O'Neill Cruz. Okay, I'll go G Man Choi Tank against Adam G-Man Wainwright. Choi's on the freaking Padres, buddy. No, he's on the Pirates. Oh wait, no. I oh, I'm looking at the stats. Okay, yeah, yeah. With uh, with Ridgeville. 
<laughs> he's been terrible. Do you think Connor uh, is Connor Joe going to play? Terrible, by the way. But anyways, what are you going to say? Maybe Connor Joe if he plays. I've got Jack Sawinski. Okay, I'll take I'll take Kutch. Jack 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 is back. He's been <laughs> terrible the last couple of weeks, but he's on the come up. All right, so I've got Jack Sawinski home run. Nolan has Andrew McCutcheon home run. That's all we have. Um, anything else? Last thing. No, anything? don't think so. All right. All right. We'll catch you guys in a couple of days for episode nine. See you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.